want to talk to you a little bit about perseverance. This is actually part five of a four-part series called Effectual Fervent Prayer. We've been talking about this scripture for a few weeks now, James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer or the effective, passionate prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, we did a 21-day fast. Uh, Some of you are really rejoicing uh, that that's been over for about a week. Uh, Some of you have gained some weight since that's been over. Um, Daniel went on a 21-day fast, and we used that as a blueprint. And when he did, God gave him a grand vision. But here's the scripture. We read this last week, and I want to touch it, and then I want to move on. Daniel 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The thing was true. There it is. The thing was true. Every word that God's ever spoken over this church, every word that God's ever spoken over your life, every word that God's ever spoken to you over your kids or your grandkids or your family or what you've been praying about, the thing was true because God can't lie. The devil lies all the time. God never lies. The thing was true. But here's where we get messed up. But the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. So here's how this works in this realm of prevailing prayer. It's what I'd like to talk to you about for a few minutes this morning. Here's how this works. The thing is true. God has promised certain things for his church. God has declared certain things over the end time church. God has declared that there would be astounding revival. God has declared that there would be uh, millions of people. uh, All flesh, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. That's happening today, right now, today. And that's true. And then we come to the local setting and the local church and you and your family and your prayers and everything God's put in your heart and you've been reading his word and he's revealed to you that he's going to do something and he's given you dreams and passions and he's given you things that you want to do and, and you just want to do that for God and you want to be that for God. The thing is true. Somebody say, the thing is true. The thing is true. But the time appointed is longer than probably what you expected. See, we're the drive through ATM generation. We want everything right now. If they close down an ATM, we are frantic, like we have to drive out of our way, inconvenience ourselves to go to another. Or, God forbid, we'd have to wait till Monday morning when the bank opened. We can't do that. We go to a restaurant, and if the server is just like five minutes too late getting to our table, we're impatient and kind of cranky because we're the... ATM, fast food, drive through generation. But sometimes in spiritual things, the thing is true. But the time appointed has a, a long time frame. And it's not, I'm not trying to pro- uh, prove in any way that this is some great um, direct download from God because this was basically me looking out the window of a plane last night and looking out the window of the house this morning And I went looking for this part, and it perfectly uh, jives with what I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, The Napoleonic Wars, which stormed through Europe from 1792 to 1815, probably that's before some of you were born. They were waged really in in the name of megalomania. There was a megalomaniac named Napoleon. He had an ego the size of France, and he was bent on establishing his very own empire and his name as an emperor. Napoleon had risen quickly through the ranks of the French army, 
he had natural talents for leadership. He, he was good with strategy. And, and with age, his ambitions grew more and more lofty. And by his late 20s, Napoleon had absolutely subdued all of the enemies that were at a standoff with France on the continent of Europe. He had subdued all of them. And so he comes back to France and he launches what in French is a coup d'etat. He launches a revolution in France and he overthrows the republic and he declares himself consul for life. Later became emperor. And then, eager to expand his burgeoning empire, Napoleon began by selling, actually, the territory of Louisiana. You've heard of the Louisiana Purchase. He sold the Louisiana territory that belonged to France to the United States. The reason he did that was to raise funds for future military campaigns because he was determined that he was going to totally subdue France's oldest rival, Britain. By the early 1800s, Emperor Napoleon proclaimed himself king of Italy. He defeated Prussia. He acquired the kingdom of Westphalia. And he made the Russian czar Alexander I his ally because Russia was helping him bankroll this, this machine called the French army all around Europe. And despite those successes, Napoleon was still unable to defeat Britain by conventional means. So, 1806, Napoleon, he initiates economic, uh, we'd call them embargoes or, or whatever today. He ec initiated economic warfare against Britain. He called them a nation of shopkeepers. And Britain retaliated with its own trade embargoes, and it went on and on. And before long, American vessels and other neutral countries, their trading ships were all embroiled into this European war in the early 1800s. Both Britain and France, they began searching and seizing U.S. ships and, and taking what they wanted, basically. So it was in 1812, Napoleon, he had a problem. Russia had backed out of their alliance. They were no longer bankrolling this rebellion. And Napoleon attacked Russia to punish Russia for abandoning their crucial economic alliance. He's going to punish Russia because they're not helping him build his empire anymore. And that campaign actually ended with a humiliating defeat for Napoleon. He attacked Moscow, but he was forced to retreat. And really, that march was the turning point in Napoleon's dream of total conquest of Europe. Napoleon abdicated in 1814, only two years later, and he was exiled to a Mediterranean island called Elba, and then he escaped, and after a little short-lived return to power in March of 1815, Britain and its allies finally defeated, defeated Napoleon at what you've heard of, the Battle of Waterloo. But it was Russia that turned Napoleon around, and it was Russia that really defeated Napoleon. Here's why. Napoleon marched into Russia, go ahead, Eric, with 60 678,000 men that entered Russian territory. Does that look familiar to anybody this morning? He entered Russia with 678,000 men in June of 1812. But when he came back across the Neman River into Kovno and he left Russian territory to return home to France in December of that year, he brought out only between 10 and 30,000 men. In the judgment of the majority of historians, it was not the skill of the Russian army that was responsible for Napoleon's defeat. It was simply that the Russians held on, they persevered, they prevailed until the harsh Russian winters cut off Napoleon's supply lines. His army literally starved and froze to death. Uh, a guy named Charles Menard 
uh, he did this graph. It's, it's really kind of an incredible piece of history. And basically, if you look at this graph, the, the, the tan line, that shows the, the, the history. Uh, this is geography here. This is the army of Napoleon that marches into Russia. And you'll notice that as they rush in, the, the graph goes up and down to show what the temperatures were when they went into, into Russia. And so the temperatures, I feel like the weatherman, uh, the temperatures get higher and higher and higher and higher. And then the black line indicates the amount of people that came back out of Russia, back to France. So they started with this, and they marched into Russia. And when they were defeated by the winter, they marched back out. And Charles Menard graphed this way back in the 1800s. But here's, by the time the army gets back, they're gone from that to this. It's an amazing story. The Russian army wasn't skilled enough to defeat Napoleon. But winter was. There's a historical novel called Napoleon and Blucher. Uh, it's by a, a lady named Louise Moldbach, and it begins with these words. This is how the novel, historical novel, begins. Quote, it was a fine, warm day in May 1812. The world was groaning under the yoke of Napoleon's tyranny. But 1812 also happens to be the year that Napoleon chose to dare to lift his hand against Russia. And later in the book comes this fictional dialogue between Napoleon's great nemesis, this Prussian general, Gebhard von Blücher, and one of his direct reports, another general named General Scharnhorst. And they're talking together. It's fiction, but it's history. They're talking together about the outcome of this Russian invasion. Here's, here's the quote from the book. They're talking together. And, and so Napoleon's nemesis, his, his arch enemy, this General Blucher, von Blucher, he says, has Napoleon again obtained a great victory? No, General, said Scharnhorst solemnly. God has obtained a victory. Blucher raised his head and laid his clay pipe slowly on the table. What do you mean, General, he asked. What do you mean by saying God has obtained a victory? I mean to say that he has sent into the field troops whom even Napoleon is unable to defeat. What troops do you refer to? I refer to the cold, the snow, the ice, the howling storm blowing from Siberia like the angry voice of heaven striking down men and beasts alike. And these troops of God have defeated Napoleon? They have, General. Blucher uttered a cry, jumped up from his chair, drew himself up to his full height. The troops of God have defeated Napoleon, he exclaimed solemnly. I have always believed in divine justice. Slow sometimes, but sure. Tell me everything, my friend, tell me everything, he added, sinking back into the chair, quite overwhelmed by what he had heard. A few years later, this quote in history, you can find it on Google, it was attributed to Tsar Nicholas I of Russia. Here's what, here's what Tsar Nicholas said, quote, Russia has two generals in whom she can confide. Now think, his enemy was Napoleon, who was French. And so Tsar Nicholas said, Russia has two generals in whom she can confide, Generals Janvier and Fevrier. <laughs> For those of you that are not bilingual, in our bilingual province, that's January and February. I didn't come to talk to you about Napoleon. I did come to talk to you about prevailing prayer that won't give up until God outweighs and outmaneuvers and outnumbers the enemy. Isaiah 55, verse 8, God says through the prophet, 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Which basically says you're not God, but God is God. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven. And by the way, if you are praying for snow, would you stop? Please. Uh, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and it returns not thither. It doesn't go back. Everyone say it doesn't go back. It doesn't go back until God decrees that the evaporation cycle takes place and the snow melts, and then the rain or the snow or both, they evaporate back up into the heavens. It doesn't go back, but it waters the earth, and it makes it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so God says, when I've spoken a word into your church, when I've spoken a word into your life, it's like the rain and the snow. It comes down. Sometimes it's overwhelming. I was in Australia uh, in, in December and, and uh, the first part of January. And while I was there and since then, I've just read the reports. Uh, there's just massive, massive flooding and cyclones and everything up in the Queensland uh, state. It's just unbelievable the power of water to destroy and the power of snow to destroy and to it, it can collapse buildings it can stop highways it can cause accidents there's incredible power in these two substances that come down from heaven and God says my word is like that if we got that third picture Eric you can back up to it if you want um, the the uh, when, when snow comes, this is uh, a picture that was drawn and painted many years ago of Napoleon's army huddled in the Russian snow. And, and it's not Russia's army that's pushing them back. It's not Russia's army that's keeping them from uh, victory. It's the snow. That's all it is. The snow won't stop the Russian winter in January and February. It just keeps coming and there's nothing you can do about it. And it starts out like beautiful little flakes like it did uh, yesterday in Hartford and last night in Montreal it starts out like beautiful flakes but you wait a half hour or an hour or two or three hours and by this morning you've got driveways plugged solid and people don't even think that they can get out for a while they've got to get a snowblower or get a shovel that's the power of what comes from the sky uh, rain falls and falls and falls and, and it waters the garden and it's all nice until we start having flooding and the water becomes very destructive not because of anything other than the accumulation of water. So that's what God's talking about here through the prophet. It's the accumulation of water that has power, and it's the accumulation of snow that has power, and Lord, help us. If there's anybody that knows that, it would be people that live in New Brunswick, Canada. We know snow has power. It can stop stuff cold. It can shut down schools. It doesn't shut down us, but it can shut down schools, and it can shut down anything. That's snow. God says, my word is like that rain and that snow. It can stop the enemy dead in his tracks if you'll let it accumulate. See, that's the principle here in Isaiah. A lot of people hear sermons, and a lot of people go to prayer meetings, and a lot of people go to church services, and a lot of people, they have a head knowledge of what God's saying, and they have a head knowledge of what God's doing, and they have a head knowledge of what the preacher's saying is happening in the church, and they listen, and they kind of process it mentally. But there's something that happens in a child of God when you hear the Word of God and you internalize it, that Word accumulates in your heart. That's why uh, the psalmist said, Thy Word have I hid in thy, my heart that I might not sin against when the word of God accumulates in your heart, it's a barrier that pushes back the enemy and defeats him when he comes against you. 
But when God's spoken a word into your life, when, when you've been praying along with your church over the past few weeks and, and God's spoken to you, some of you about kids and grandkids, and you, you want to dare to hope because you've been praying for those kids and grandkids or that spouse or that situation or that need, you've been praying for it for a long, long time. And so your, your heart kind of rises up and, and then you feel like, oh yeah, but it's probably just me. It's probably just me. It's not just you. It's the word of God that comes to you and the thing is true, but the time is long than what you would like. The time is longer than what some people are willing to tough it out for. They'll pray for a week. They'll pray for three weeks. They'll pray for a year, but they're not going to do much more than that because if God hasn't come through on their little timetable, they're just going to give up. But there's something about the child of God that just lets the word accumulate and they come and they hear a sermon and they dare to hope that that word is for me and they go to a prayer meeting and there's a prophecy and they dare to hope that that prophecy is for me and there's something about the accumulated word of God. God said it's like rain that comes down and it's like snow that comes down and after it accumulates for a while there is nothing that the enemy can do to stop it. It's not you that has to overwhelm your enemy. God said I'll overwhelm your enemy if you'll prevail in prayer. I'll just dump my word on him until he shuts his mouth. I'll just flood him out with the rain of my word until he can't do anything. Why do you think the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, God's got a bigger flood than the enemy's flood. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and push him back. And so God says through Isaiah, he said, this is what my word is. It's like the rain that comes down and it's the snow from heaven. And it doesn't go back in the evaporation cycle. It doesn't return thither until I've done what I want it to do. It waters the earth. It makes it bring forth and bud. Gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater. Here's what he says. So shall. Everyone say, shout, shall. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall. Everyone say, shout, shall. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall. Everyone shout, shall. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And one more time. It prosper in the thing whereto I send it. God said, it's a definite it's a done deal. There's nothing the enemy can do about it. The enemy can posture. The enemy can threaten. The enemy can, can curse you. The enemy can do all kinds of stuff against you. The enemy can tempt you. The enemy can try to distract you. But if you will hang on to the word of God, there is a cumulative power in the word of God that is spoken from pulpits like this, in churches like this. And if you get in that, you marinate your life, your spirit, your soul, your heart, your family, your priorities, your schedule in the word of God. There's something about the cumulative power in the word of God. It is like the rain. It is like the snow. Once it gets to a certain point, the weatherman gets on and says, you better stay home. You better shut the door. You better not go out. You better wait this out. Don't anybody get on the roads because the rain has flooded the road or the snow has blocked the road. It's the cumulative power of those natural elements. Snow is what defeated Napoleon. Napoleon wasn't defeated because the Russian army had a great strategy. Napoleon wasn't defeated because the Russian army was so smart, so skilled, or so mighty in battle. Napoleon was defeated because God's generals, January and February, just kept dumping snow on Napoleon's army until he had to turn back. And he went from 678,000 soldiers to less than 30,000 for sure, maybe down to 10,000 and he limped back into France and he was ultimately defeated because of the accumulated power of snow. And God said, my word's like that. My word's like snow. 
That's why you need to be faithful to church. That's why you need to read your Bible. That's why you need to pray. That's why you need to pay attention when a prophetic word is given across the pulpit by your pastors or by an evangelist or by somebody that's used by God. That's why you need to pay attention to that. That's why you need to internalize that. And you say, buddy, I went last Sunday night. I even went to the altar, pastor. I even raised my hands, and it didn't happen. Nothing happened. That's because the snow hasn't piled up enough yet. But there's a power in the accumulated word of God. It just keeps piling up, piling up, piling up, and then all of a sudden you don't see it coming. But the Word of God starves out the enemy and freezes out the enemy, and all of a sudden you turn around and say, wow, that happened overnight. It didn't happen overnight. It was the accumulated supernatural power of the divine Word of God that's active in your life. It's like the rain. It's like the snow. And God said, that's like my word. It can't return unto me void. You say, it didn't work. God says, you're foolish. It can't return void. It shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in every area that I send it to. Come on back. His word shall accomplish the thing for which he has sent it. Just as surely as the earth is watered by the rain and just as sure as snow actually ends up preserving life through the winter and bringing things back to life in the spring when it melts and the water goes into the earth. Rain and snow, snow and rain. Aren't you sick of snow? We've got so much snow, we really need more snow. If you get any more snow, we're going to be like a dead goat. We understand that rain waters and nourishes and brings forth life. Here's the hard one, though. Snow? Whoever wrote, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, should be taken out to the public square and shot on Christmas Eve. I'm just joking. That wasn't a word of prophecy. It's not even on the same tier as the rest of the sermon. Snow, it's a nuisance. We went to winter fire. Everybody gets up and says some, something about the, the temperature. What a bunch of whiny wimps. I'm from Florida. I'm from Louisiana. I'm from California. It's like, come on, guys. Get a life. Man up here. Just joking. That's not on the same caliber as the rest of the sermon either. Pastor, snow kills everything. It freezes everything over. Snow is a nuisance. It's a pain. Snow is just why. There's no sense of snow. But the promise in the word is that snow, just like rain, even though it's a different season of your life, even though snow is the cold, wintry season that feels like death and cuts to the bone and chills you to the depth of your soul, even though it's a different season than rain, we got all these songs. We never write songs about the snow in this passage. We write, though your sins be as scarlet. That's another snow thing that Isaiah said. They shall be white as snow. We write about that. We get all teary-eyed. We raise our hands and get blessed. We write about, you know, your sins wiped out and they're white as snow. We never write beautiful songs about this. We write, like, send down the rain and pour down the rain. and Let it rain, let it rain. But nobody sings, let it snow. Nobody does that. Because we don't like snow. Snow freezes things. Snow piles up. And... But God says, my word is like rain and snow. It doesn't matter which season you're in right now. The word, the word is still active. 
doesn't matter if you're in the blazing hot summer and the weather's nice and the rain's coming down and you think, well, God, you know, your word, your word. It doesn't matter. You could be in the winter right now. And everything, listen to me, listen to me. This is the word for us this morning. Everything's frozen solid in your life. Even your heart seems to be frozen solid. You can't feel what you think you need to feel. You can't sense what you think you need to sense. Your, your heart's frozen solid. And you're thinking, God, this isn't working. I'm reading your word. I'm praying about it. I'm trying to be faithful and nothing is working. It's like winter has settled in in my spiritual life and I am frozen solid. And God says, you don't understand. That's how my word works. It's like the rain that comes down and finally piles up and accumulates until there's a flash flood in the middle of the summer, in the spring. But he said, my word's also like the snow. And when you think nothing is happening and everything's frozen solid and you can't even move because you're snowed in spiritually, God said, no, my word's still working. It is like the snow. It's like the snow. Don't ever forget Napoleon. It's like the snow that turned back the then emperor of that entire segment of the world. He was really, for all intents and purposes, emperor of the world at that point. He conquered basically all of continental Europe. Napoleon should have been able to defeat Russia. If he'd chosen a different month, he would have, historians say. He chose the wrong time. God had two generals named January and February that knocked him out. You know what? God has a couple generals in your life. They're called prayer and fasting. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But pastor, nothing's happening in my life. Yeah, something's happening in your life. Pastor, I feel frozen solid in my heart. I, I, I pray and it feels like the heavens are right here and I'm smashing up against them and I can't get through. You're right on track if you're faithful. Because God says there's an accumulated power in my word. And spring is coming. Job chapter 23, Job said, Behold, I, I go forward. God's not there. I go backward can't perceive him. I'm not feeling what I think I should feel. I'm, I'm not getting it. I look on the left hand where I know he's there working. They tell me he's there working, but I can't behold him. He hides himself on my right hand and I can't see him. I've prayed to be delivered from my trials. I've prayed for my family and I've lost my family. I've prayed for my future and it seems like I've lost my future. I'm sick. I've got a leprosy. I, I, I'm, I'm a mess, Job said. I've looked all around me. I've looked forward, backward, left, right. I can't see God. I don't know what's going on. Look, 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 look. Next three words. I don't know what's going on. Next verse. But he knoweth. You didn't get that. I don't know what's going on, but he knows. You see, we get all messed up when we don't know and we don't trust God. God said, my word that I put in your life, my word that's been prayed over you, my word that you've prayed over your family, it's like the rain and the snow. You look outside, oh, there's a little sprinkle. You dash to your car. But if the rain really comes down, it's not going to be a little dash to the car. The rain can cause flooding. You look outside, it's pretty little snowflakes on Christmas Eve, and isn't that nice? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. 
snow can mess things up. We've seen that in the Northeast all this winter so far. Just thousands of airplane flights canceled one after another. I think they canceled 7,000 flights on a day and a half earlier this week in the Northeastern United States. Because of what? Because of snow. God said, my word is like that. Do you understand my word is like that? God, I don't know what's going on. I know. God, I, I don't feel anything, God says. I'm touched with the feelings of your infirmity. God, I don't know what my future is. God said, I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you an expected end. God said, I know. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall. <laughs> See, look at this. God says, so shall my word be. It shall not return void. It shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. And Job had the sense to say, well, God, if your word says it shall, then guess what? I'll say, when I have been tried, I shall. I'll put my shall together with the word of God's shall. And if God's word never returns void, and if God's word always works, and if God said it, then I'm going to add to it. I'm going to say, then I shall come forth as gold. But here's the key. Job says, my foot has held his steps. His way have I kept. I have not declined. Job said, the reason I can say that is because I am not going to back up or turn around or stop, even though I don't feel what I want to feel. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job said, when I don't feel, when I don't sense, when it's frozen over, when it's 10 feet deep over my life, and I feel like I have to have a shovel to tunnel out to see bottom, and I just am frozen solid, no feeling, no sense. I, I just, I, I can't touch it. I can't see it. I, I, they tell me God's working. They tell me God's working in my life and my family and my church. I, God, they tell me that, but I can't see anything. God says, you're just in winter. But my word works in winter. My word works in summer. My word works in spring and in autumn. My word works in every season. And if you'll be faithful, you can be like Cornelius. The Bible says Cornelius was a just man. He was a righteous man. He was the first Gentile in your Bible to ever receive the wonderful baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 10. And Cornelius prayed every day. Every day he did his righteous deeds and he prayed to God. And finally an angel came to Cornelius, dispatched from God throne and said, Cornelius, your prayers and your good deeds have come up for a memorial before God. Cornelius, they just accumulated and accumulated and accumulated and accumulated and guess what? Today's the day when God's going to act and there's going to be a man named Peter comes to your house and he's going to tell you a message and God is going to begin a work that will eventually touch millions and millions and millions and millions of people throughout all the ages because you prayed and you were consistent and you didn't give up because when you're praying my words working while your prayers and your faithfulness to my word are piling up guess what's piling up my word is piling up every word that's spoken every word that's declared every sermon that you said I dare to believe that every prayer meeting every word of prophecy you said I dare to stand on that word that piles up and when it gets all over it will not be your goodness it will not be your strength it will not be anything you did that defeated the enemy. It will be the accumulated power of the word of the living God in your life that pushed the enemy back, shut him down. 
Stand with me right now in the house of the Lord. And if you believe that word, if you're willing to add that little word to every other word that you've ever heard, I want you to lift up your hands right now. For some of you, this is a pivotal day, even on a snow day at Capital Community. This is a pivotal day for you to hear what you just heard and feel what you're feeling right now. I dare you to believe that. I dare you to stand on that. I dare you to stay faithful when everything else says quit. It's not working. You need to look back at the devil and say, you've got a snow day of your own coming when yes yes so if you just let out your voice while your hands are lifted up that would help a lot declare the word of God over you thou shalt be saved and thy house I am the Lord that healeth thee yes 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 Man, I really hesitate to say this in the pulpit. You've heard the expression, when hell freezes over, there's a day coming when the snow of God's word is going to pile up. And all the forces of hell that have tried to keep you from praying effectual, fervent prayers. See, effectual, fervent prayers aren't a formula that you pray. Effectual, fervent prayers aren't a ritual that you go through. Effectual, fervent prayers isn't spending three minutes every morning and ticking it off mentally, I did my prayer thing this morning. No, effectual, fervent prayer is simply prayer that will not shut up, stop up, or give up until heaven comes through. That's effectual, fervent prayer. And the Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So there is coming a day when the snowstorm of God's word is going to accumulate in your life. And on that day, yeah, hell freezes over, all right. The snow, the accumulated power of God's word wipes out what the enemy tried to curse you with and the curse becomes the blessing of God. It's amazing. Somebody, I need you to just, if you got it, some of you do, some of you are halfway there, some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. I just need you to lift up your hands if you're getting it at all and just say, God, I want the accumulated power of your word in my life. I want the accumulated power of your word in my family. I want the accumulated power of your word in my future. I want the accumulated power of your word in every generation that follows me. I want the accumulated power of your word in every facet of my life. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raise it up and push him back. And I'm going to stand here, stay here, worship here, praise here, pray here, be faithful here, live holy here until the accumulated power of your word washes through my whole life and does everything that you declared. Because the thing is true. Just because the time's longer than I would prefer doesn't mean I'm giving up. Because the thing is true. Man. Those of you that are watching online, if you're still with us, I speak this prophetically over our church, not just the people that are in this building. 
There's an accumulated power to the Word of God. Take somebody, anybody near you by the hand, if you would, please, and just lift it up with yours. And I want you to begin to pray with them. Would you do that? You don't have to pray for them. Just pray with them. That means you pray, they'll pray, and join hands together. You don't have to pray for anything. Just pray with them. God, let your word push back the tactics of the enemy. God, let your word thwart the enemy's purpose. Lord Jesus, we are waiting on, we are faithful to, we are devoted to the power of your word that accumulates like the rain from heaven and the snow from the skies. And God, on the day that you've decreed, on the time, the hour, the moment that you've said, enough is enough, it's all over. Oh, keep praying, that's so good. Somebody, you can get a touch from God while you're praying that way. That's an effectual, fervent prayer. God, I'm staying here. I'm standing here. I will not move from here. Yes, yes. Show somebody that book.